Welcome back, everybody. It's Taco Tuesday! I'm Alex Padilla. I'm Alex Regla. Welcome back, everybody. Taco Tuesday. Alex Padilla and Alex Regla with you guys on a Tuesday. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well, man. How you doing? Oh, just a very slow news day in the NBA. Nothing really happened, right? No, just crickets for the last few days. I got to tell you, man. And yeah. I, 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 I tweeted this, and 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 obviously sarcasm came through. But like, man, you really got to be surprised that it's just not. It just didn't work for Brooklyn so far. You know, you got to be real surprised that the Lakers are struggling the way they are. You know, after the off seasons that those two franchises had, it. It is just shocking, isn't it? I mean, they're a season removed from being like the finals favorites, those two teams, right? Mm-hmm. Out of their respective conferences. And wow, things are just falling apart. Yeah, if you didn't hear, which I don't know where you were, but if you're listening to this and you didn't hear, but uh, the Brooklyn Nets have already fired or mutually agreed to part ways with Steve Nash. And Steve Nash, I'm sure, was like, hell yeah, I'll take that buyout later. You deal with Kyrie. And then the news already which I found even crazier was that they uh, are supposedly they're going to hire Ime Udoka, who mm-hmm. is currently suspended for the year, but I guess available to be hired or I, I don't know. I haven't been paying too much. I haven't heard anything new about Udoka except like it was way worse than what was reported. And then it just kind of went away. Yeah. Like it, that's, so he has his own issues going on. And so they hired, they w- they go from Nash to, to, you know, they have the whole Kyrie thing going on. And then their choice in hiring a new coach is immediate. That's the thing, too. No Mm -hmm. coaching search, no job interviews. Uh, No, we're going to go with this guy of all people. So, yeah, I guess just – and I think – forget who it was, but someone said, like, he's the front runner. Like, it sounds like that's going to happen. So It was Chris Haynes and Shams. And, uh, yeah, it was just really weird. And and if you think the Sixers losing two second-rounders for free agency violations – if you don't think anything's happening here that's sketchy, then then the NBA is just not looking. You know, like I don't know what the param- I didn't even know you could hire suspended coaches. You know, like it, it just is all weird. But really, the the bigger picture here, because I know a lot of people like myself were like just comparing the the Lakers and the and the Nets and how their tumultuous offseason was just not going to ever end well. And I still think, I mean, I'm not going to get carried away by one game. I just, I'm just not. And what I mean by that is this last game where the Lakers beat the Nuggets and Russell Westbrook smiled. I know that everybody was, I was happy to watch a Laker game for the first time all season. Like that was actually fun to watch, but I still think this team has serious issues. And I think that Russell Westbrook doesn't solve those issues. And I don't think I don't, and we'll talk about this here today. I don't think trading him will bring you back enough to solve those issues to make you a championship team. And I think that's what the Lakers are currently struggling with. As far as the Nets go, when your two superstars want out because they don't like the head coach and they demand you to fire the head coach and then you make everybody come together and pretend it's all kumbaya, just was this is the way it was going to end. This is the way it was going to end. Yeah, like both teams, uh, I... Like I know that like people like to kind of like compare both of these teams because they've underperformed so far, but um, I would much rather be the Lakers at this point than the Nets. Like, um, yeah, that just seems like a like a disaster waiting to happen. It's already happened over there, and 
Uh, we still have to see what eventually happens with Kyrie, if any punishments come down over there. But the vibes are not good. They already, you know, fired their head coach after a win, by the way, and on the, the night before back-to-back. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, obviously both teams, similar records at this point, but I think the Lakers are obviously, if they're not, I think they're trending up. Like, I don't think they're going to completely plummet at this point, even if, if you think this team has flaws. Um, I, I think they at least are playing but, together. Like, I don't think there's these types of issues with the Lakers. Let me ask you, when you say you think they're trending up, how high is their up as I mean, currently for, constructed? I mean, trending up for them is like, if they just win a couple of games, they'll be back at 500. I'm not saying they're going to trend all the way up to championship caliber top four seed in the West, but I think they're definitely better than what their record currently is. But isn't that the whole point of the Lakers? Yeah. Yeah. Is to be a championship contender. And now some people may yell at their, whatever they're listening through right now and be like, you don't mortgage the future just because you want to win this year when the future, when whatever that those trading, those two first rounders and Russ, they're not going to bring in a, you know, championship piece per se. Cause I don't do you, I, and what I'm, I guess what I'm asking is if the Lakers do decide to trade a, a Russell Westbrook and the two first round picks to try and win a championship this year, does that package exist that will make this current roster a championship roster? No, I mean, at least n- nothing that's been publicly reported. Of course, you never, even if a guy does become available, I, I don't think a singular player changes their, their season outlook at this point, right? And there's too many holes on the roster. There's too many um, kind of things they need to figure out and, and stuff like that. But they're definitely like, again, they're better than the record um, says they are. And I think if you trade those first two round picks, obviously, like you said, the then game is always, we, the Lakers always want to win championship and anything beyond that is considered a failure. But I think training those two first round picks or if, if they eventually do, yeah, you can always use those picks also going forward. Like if you do trade those two picks and you get back guys that are serviceable or that you like, and you want to kind of start building continuity with this team. And those guys have longer term deals. Like you at least get a head start into the free agency and we already kind of started to build out our team versus having to start over all over again and get like 10 new minimum contracts. Like there's other, like training those two first round picks, like isn't just championship robust. You can also kind of propel you in other ways also. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the, the thing is like, I don't know if you trust this front office to be that creative and get you those things. That's always, so that's, I think that's, I think when my biggest holdup where I, I've been, obviously I've been, I think we both have been a big proponent of like, they got to trade Russ, but if I guess at the other, at the other end of the spectrum is like, okay, do we even trust this front office to make the right trade? And that's, I guess, kind of scary too. I mean, if you don't trust their roster, roster construction, why would we, why would we trust them in trading our only assets of the future? Like it just doesn't really, I guess it doesn't really make sense. So um, it's really interesting right now because reports are coming out. And players, I think this is the first time I've ever heard this. Players are petitioning to be traded to the Lakers. What am I talking about? I don't know if you heard this, Alex. I still can't believe it actually happened. And he's just continuing to talk. Uh, Miles Turner went on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast. And Adrian asked him, hey, should the Lakers give up two picks for you? And he actually answered the question. And this is what uh, Miles Turner had to say. You've been hearing it for months. So I'll ask you. 
if you're the Lakers, would you do the two picks? Would you do the two picks? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's such an intriguing question. <laughs> at that, um, I think personally, you know, when you look at this business of the league and you know, knowing the landscape of the league, you know, you have to go off your future, right? And think, we we all know picks are so valuable in this league. And someone like myself, I'm heading into the last year of my you know my deal. And you want to make sure, you know, you're getting a return, you know, for your assets, right? So, you know, if I'm the Lakers, I take a very hard look at this with the position that you're in. And I know what I can provide for a team, you know, my, my leadership, my shot blocking, you know, my three-point ability, and just my ability to make plays out there on the floor. And I take a very long look at it. But as far as pulling the trigger, you know, that's uh, – I get paid to shoot. Now, you know, I'm not made to make these calls, so I, I couldn't answer that. <laughs> that is funny. I've actually – I've never heard ever a player – just not basically say, come get me, but saying, I know what I provide. I know what I could do. I know what I could do for that team. That's, is that not tampering? <laughs> I, I guess players can't, I, I guess they can be fined. I forget who I, I was listening to podcasts about this exact thing. And they said like, I, it's not considered tampering if it's a player, but they can be fined from their team or whatever. But yeah, I can't remember another time where a guy was this vocal and, and not just for the Lakers, but also he, he mentioned how his own team, the Pacers, would be wise to trade him for something than just letting him walk in free agency. Yeah. I haven't so heard that either. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that's kind of why the Lakers are even hesitant. Uh, Miles Turner so far this year, he's only played three games, averaging 13 points uh, on the season and seven rebounds. I mean, he is on the final year of his contract. And that, that package would probably bring you back a Buddy Heald who's having a pretty good season. He's... Uh, averaging seven about 18 points a game and shooting 43% from three point. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you bring these guys in, does, does miles Turner fill in a spot that would make them that much better, but he healed would, cause we know that they, they need shooting. Yeah. And I think in that podcast, he also talked about how, how much he likes, or he's been wanting to play the five spot full-time and you know when Sabonis was there in the Pacers those two kind of uh, there was a little overlap and, and stuff like that and he says that he's comfortable playing the five he's a rim protector he can space it he can shoot threes so he kind of laid out like the exact reasons why a team like the Lakers would be interested because we're already seeing some of the issues uh, that comes with playing Anthony Davis full-time at the center position like he's barely finishing games with his lower back every you know, he's having to sit during post-game uh, interviews and stuff like that. So that is one argument for Miles Turner is not just, you know, the skills he provides, but maybe he lessens the wear and tear on Anthony Davis uh, for the next, what, 70-so games. Yeah, but let's be real. It doesn't matter where Anthony Davis plays. He's going to get hurt. Let's, let's come on. I, I guess it, it lowers those chances a little bit if he's not the only guy out there. I mean, dude, it's ankle, big. wrist, face fracture, <laughs> now back. I mean, name it. The, put the guy on a basketball court, he's prone to be injured. That's just, he's proven that his entire career. So I get what you're saying as far as lessening his load and, you know, the risk factor, the the injury probability would maybe go down. But, I mean, Anthony Davis, that's the scariest part of this team so far. It's like, I'm... I'm kind of now on board with the whole Thanksgiving thing. Cause you're like, let's just see if Anthony Davis even can hold up because if he can't hold up, like why would we do anything? I mean, at that, you don't want to tank cause you don't want to give the Pelicans when Ben Yama, but mm. by the way, Pelicans, you don't have to swap. I just want to be <laughs> nice about it. You don't have to swap. Just throwing that out there. But yeah, I think that the, the Thanksgiving thing 
you're seeing things now. And Alex, you just wrote a big thing about this on the silverscreenroll.com. We're seeing two games in. The Lakers look better with Russell Westbrook on the bench. Mm-hmm. If Anthony Davis holds up, if Russell Westbrook comes off the bench, if they can shoot 43% like they did on Sunday against the Nuggets, just wait and see. I, I see both arguments, right? I, I, I totally get your point because, like you said, say they get to game 20, game 25, and AD's out for four to six weeks. LeBron is one of those guys is out for a long time. And say they're just like eight games under 500. At that point, is it really worth trading two firsts to try to salvage like getting into the playoffs? Not like anywhere a six seed or better, but just getting into the plan. At that, at that point, probably not. But at the other end, like if you do wait that long, uh, I mean, you are really putting a lot of hope in this roster to stay like at the 500 mark. Like they're already, what, one in five? Mm-hmm. Like they would have to win four just to get to 500. Like, so you, you would consider maybe making that trade sooner. Maybe that lessens the wear and tear on both LeBron AD, just having to like do so much for them to win a single game. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely get both points and I, they probably do wait until Thanksgiving to see where they're at. And yeah. hopefully they, they kind of hold things over until then. Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving is like, there are 20 games is more of like an arbitrary number. Thanksgiving would give them 16 total games. There's 10 games between now and Thanksgiving that, that you have a pretty decent idea yeah. of what you are at that point. Yeah, you should. Like, I think they're getting close already to, they're still figuring out what the rotation exactly is. Like we've already seen the Westbrook to the bench, uh, decision that was a big one that they had to make and they seemed to make it seems like everybody's at least on board with it for now so it looks like we're getting a really clear picture dennis was shooting today during practice uh we should be getting him back we'll see how much longer thomas bryant's gonna be out but the roster's mostly there and guys are kind of sliding into their spots to see where you know what exactly this team can be let me say one thing about russell westbrook coming off the bench and one thing about russell westbrook and just in general the bar is really low. The bar is really low for what I would say Laker fans expect from Russell Westbrook. Just even looking like he had fun on Sunday. Everybody was cheering him like crazy. You know, I know he made a couple big plays, especially that reverse layup with his left hand towards the end of the game. And by the way, did anybody hold their breath when they had a bleed and they brought him back in? I think everybody did, right? <laughs> but the bar is low. When you come off the bench, you're not expected to go and score 25 points a game and get triple doubles. When you're coming off the bench, you're expected to be energy. You're expected to be a com- like a commander of or a leader of the second unit, which you wrote about, and please explain further here in a second. Like, you don't have to do much for us to be happy. Like, we're not expecting Russell Westbrook. And I think that's what's kind of crazy about this whole thing. We're not expecting Russell Westbrook to play like a $46 million player anymore. I think that's that's something that we really need to keep in focus here. If Russell Westbrook goes out and he gets you a 15, 5 and 5, like that is about as much as you could ever ask for. And the turnovers are low and he doesn't take dumb shots or untimely shots. I know that's a stat line I'm throwing out, but you get what I'm saying? Like the vibe, it's all about the vibe with him. If he looks like he's having fun and he's playing with energy and he looks remotely explosive, that's kind of all we're asking for. Yeah, no one's asking him to live up to that contract. Like, that's just not sustainable or that's just not something that's realistic at this point. But like you said, like, as a six-man, all they're really asking for him is to do what he's good at. And those do kind of actually 
co-aligned with what they need off the bench because the starters with Westbrook, without Westbrook, haven't been great. Uh, almost every first quarter they lose, you know, and they've kind of needed that spark off the bench. And that's back-to-back games now. Westbrook has provided that simply because if nothing else, like Westbrook, what he does do is he plays fast. He picks up the pace. He kind of adds that jolt to like a, a team who kind of relies a lot in the half court. So w- w- once Westbrook comes in, he kind of does add that juice to the, to the team that they really need. And yeah, like it's not just the numbers, like you mentioned that, like that 15, five and five it's, I think it's more, it's how he gets it. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely more within the flow of the offense. He's like I said, he's pushed in transition. He's um, cut a bit more. He's screened a bit more. He's not shooting a lot. I don't know if I, I might write, write about this, but he's not shooting like close to any mid-range shots anymore. I'll you notice. Like it's either all threes or all shots at the rim. Like none of those middle uh, shots where he would just try to bank everything in. Like he's cut out those completely. So is that yeah, something he, that you wanted him to cut out? Um, like yes and no. Like I, 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 I think the rim attempts, the rim volume, he has such a big impact on this team when he's on versus when he's off the floor. That's what I wrote about last or this past week that when he's on, like the team gets to the rim so much more versus when he's off, when he's on the team runs so much more versus when he's off. And when your team is struggling to shoot, like they are, you really need a guy who can put that pressure at the rim and you need to like get your offense out of the half court where a defense can just completely load up in the paint where they can just completely sag off players. It's really hard to do that. Um, against an offense who's running. And we saw that in the third quarter when they made that run against Denver. Guys like him, Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves, they were just sprinting after every miss. So he, he's laid like the formula to see how this could, this could work. Uh, what have you, through six games, liked the most from the team? The defense. It's not even close. I think, uh, last I checked, I think it was like top three, top four, and any whatever site you want to use for, for defensive rating, like, they got that's tacos the on Sunday. Constant. Yeah. That's been the one constant. Like who, whoever's in there, who's out there against really good teams so far, they've had a really tough schedule to start this year and to be top four in defense with a completely new team. Like that's really, really hard to do with a first time head coach to get all these guys playing who they've never played together to buy in, to be effective, to kind of play this drop defense with AD um yeah i've been super impressed with, with that part yeah i think that's pretty pretty obvious for everybody uh is there besides the shooting has there been one glaring thing that you're like yeah darvin's got to change that uh like even the shooting's not like a darvin issue right that's like a roster but that's not even a roster issue. that's just like super unlucky issue too though <laughs> no what i mean by like Maybe not by Darwin's got to change that, but like the team's got to do something. Oh, like, yeah. okay, sure. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, no, I guess, yeah, it's so hard to say anything but the shooting, right? Like, the, yeah. it, I guess the offense in general hasn't been good, but I mean, so much. I mean, if they shoot like 35% from three, like they probably are a 500 team at least. Yeah, I would say at least. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's something that's definitely, um, there has been an uptick. Like, I forget what they shot against Minnesota. But I know it's better than like 24% or whatever they've been shooting. And like you said, they've shot like over 40% against Denver. So slowly we're going to see just the gradual regression to the mean that is bound to happen. And uh, yeah, so if that, that happens and the defense stays intact, I think this team is like likely to make a little run here. Yeah, they shot 31% from three against the Wolves and 43% against the Nuggets. And um, yeah, 
so if they do that, obviously they see that you can see how competitive they've been. It hasn't been like they've been getting blown out either, no. which is good to see. So um, yeah, maybe the record is highlights a lot thing, of bad things because I mean, one in five, but when you look at, and this is what we're going to talk about next, a silver lining here in the Western conference Clippers three and four Kawhi Leonard. There's some stuff going on there. They're not being truthful with us. He's not going on their upcoming road trip. Uh, the Golden State Warriors three and four. Dallas Mavericks three and three. The Nuggets four and three. And you got teams up there like the Jazz. I was gonna say <laughs> if you would just ask a random fan on the street, can you name the top four in the West currently? Nobody I, would get it. I wouldn't. In I wouldn't get it. it earlier today. I wouldn't get it. I, I gotta be totally honest with you. I had no idea the Warriors were three and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, no idea the Blazers were five and one. Yeah. I would have guessed the Suns. I would have guessed the Nuggets. I would have guessed the Warriors, and I would have guessed probably the Nuggets. Probably those would be my top four. Wolves, Grizzlies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so silver lining, the Lakers. Yeah, they're one and five, but they're only one win away from the Warriors, or one loss away, one loss worse than the Warriors, one mm-hmm. loss worse than the Clippers. Two loss worse than the Mavs, Grizzlies, Wolves. So there it's early. I think when we do podcasts, we 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 highlight things and make it seem like the world is ending every single week or the world is not. Uh, but for the Lakers, just their six games, they are terrible record-wise, but <laughs> so is a lot of teams in the West, and it's mm-hmm. very surprising in the Western Conference. Coming up for the Lakers, uh, you talked about this before we started recording. Uh, what do you see, man? Because you threw out a stat about the games in LA and now you're looking at their opponents. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I was looking at their schedule coming up. Cause like I said, like they've had a really, really difficult um, slate of games to start their year. So even if like they didn't play this well, or they, uh, I don't know, we're still one in five. I don't think that would have been a massive surprise given who they've had to play. Like sure. They, they might've been a game better, maybe a game two better, but like, I don't know how many games we would have penciled in the Lakers to win out of these first few ones they've had to, but coming up, it gets a lot easier. Um, number one, they, they play, I think next seven out of eight games, they play in Los Angeles, one yeah. of those against the Clippers. So we'll count that like as a semi home game. And um, beyond that, just the competition gets a little easier. If like we assume teams like the jazz fall back to earth a little bit, which who knows, like they're still playing really good, but they played the jazz twice. They play um, the Spurs. They play Brooklyn, who's a mess. Um, yeah, so and they play the Pelicans tomorrow, who I think will be without Ingram, I'm, I'm, I think. So yeah. there's definitely uh, like a runway here where they can make up some ground. And um, yeah. Did you I guess, say they need to? Because when you look even more ahead, they when I say need to is A, the arbitrary 20-game number, the Thanksgiving mm-hmm. kind of marking point. The seven of eight in LA. And then after that, it is one, two, three, four, five, six, nine of 11 on the road after this next seven of eight at home. Yeah, I, I would. A lot of these teams are directly ahead. Of, I know it's still so early, but like you play the Jazz twice, right? And, and yeah. that's a team who's what currently third or fourth in the West. Yeah. Like that's a perfect time to make up ground there. I think they play the Spurs like back to back like three, three out of four games stretch. They play the Spurs, Suns, mm-hmm. Spurs, Spurs. Like that's another perfect time to beat a team who's likely, you know, they're not trying to, well, they are trying to Lonnie win Walker but, revenge games. Yeah. So like these games are ones they definitely should win need to win in terms of like 
those those are the games you can't lose. But is this yeah. a that's a quirk I've never seen before. The the three Spurs game. No, the back to back against the same team in the same city. Yeah, that is a bit weird. Friday, Saturday oh, at San right. Antonio, back to back. And then they played the Spurs on the 20th. So the 20th, 25th, 26th, they played the Spurs. I'm going to be in San Antonio for that game on Friday. Any one of those three games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the, if they are another one in five in these next six games, I, I definitely would be worried. Yeah. I would say that they would do something if they're one in five or whatever in the next couple of games uh, versus New Orleans uh, tomorrow versus Utah on Friday versus Cleveland on Sunday and at Utah on Monday, their only game out of LA for the next eight. Like you mentioned, uh, what is this team going to look like when we talk next? Well, actually we're off next Tuesday, but what will this team look? What do you think is going to happen here? Before next week? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I mean, I think they, I think they could beat the Pelicans. I think they could beat the Jazz. The Cavs game is, is going to Is be- Anthony Davis going to play? I think today they said he's questionable. He's going to uh, miss one of these tomorrow. next four games. So um, that's yeah, got to be concerning, right? We didn't really talk a lot about that. So when you have like a facial fracture, okay. When you have an ankle, okay. Like it almost seems straightforward. Like, yeah, it sucks, but he's out for six to eight weeks. I don't know what's going on with his back and it scares the yeah. living shit out of me because back injuries that just flare up or back injuries that just tighten. That's not good. I mean, that's not something that you can just fix with a cast. No. And, it, and it's, and it's a guy who has to play, like we said, he's played 100% of his minutes at center. He is the drop in their drop coverage. He is the defensive anchor. He has to clean up the rebounds. He has to catch logs on the other end. Like I, I cringe just thinking about if I had a lower back injury, having to do all that guard a guy like Jokic for like 35 minutes. Like, no, nah, like he could miss tomorrow's game. I, and I would be, I'd be fine with it if it gives him another extra day off or whatever. But yeah, that is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I would say so. Because I think if he misses any sort of extended period of time that <laughs> the Lake, like we talked about it, the Lakers don't have a lot of room for error. And not having Anthony Davis for an extended period of time, like that's just not gonna. I mean, they didn't have him for the Wolves game, and that's probably one of the teams that they need him the most, just because their size. So it, it's it's something that I'm concerned about. And to me, I think the scariest part is that it's a back, a lower back mm-hmm. injury, which you just you just what do you do? You know, and it sucks because he's played so well. Like when he has been out there, I have mm-hmm. had no complaints with how he's played. I thought he was great against Denver, even with his bad back. I thought he really was you know, critical in that fourth quarter, he hit like two straight jumpers to kind of stop that little run Denver was going on. And he had, he did a really good job on Jokic and yeah. So they definitely need him. Uh, all that goes without saying, but uh, so hopefully this isn't too serious. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll see what, if he plays, whether or not uh, tomorrow. Um, also Utah surprisingly is good which I think everybody expected them to not be good. And when I mean good, I mean, record-wise, they're good right now. Um, all you heard during the Victor Wenbenyama summer was how we're going to see unprecedented levels of tanking. And right now, the Jazz, the Spurs, the Pelicans are 3, 4, and 5. Mm-hmm. And now the report is the Jazz want to make a trade with the Lakers. The Jazz are ready to make a trade for the Lakers. And the Lakers are the ones 
that have pulled back. And I know now we're getting like full circle on the trade rust rusting, but you, you gotta imagine this is not a sustainable type of thing for the jazz. Danny Ainge is not going to let this happen. Is he? I mean, I think he would try not to make it happen with all these trades in the off season, but they just keep winning. Uh, yeah. Eventually they'll either intentionally or just again, falling back to earth. I don't think this team can sustain this level of play. Uh, maybe they are better than, you know, that was expected going into the year, given all the pieces they have, but they still have NBA type guys on that team. And, you know, the, those guys are still going to play hard. They're playing really well. So, yeah. And, but in terms of like a Lakers trade, I'm not as interested in Utah yeah. anymore after the moves they already made. So yeah. I'm not surprised the Lakers aren't interested as well. That's not a team that I'm looking at. I'm like, yeah, I, li- I like that. No. I like a Jordan Clarkson. I like a Mike Conley for my future. Yeah, I don't even I don't even look at Indiana anymore. Now that I'm just like I don't know. I don't see it. Uh Charlotte either. You know, uh, I say saw- only Indy and Charlotte are the I guess San Antonio is another team people keep throwing out there as well. But um yeah, I I think it's still those three teams. And it's been those three teams for all summer, basically. And I gotta be honest, with you, um I don't want I don't if if Brooklyn continues to just go down this hill that they're on, I don't want the Kyrie stuff around no, here no more. Definitely not. I mean, who does? No. Steve Nash couldn't get out of there faster. Like Steve Nash is probably going to be in Qatar watching every single world cup game. Now. Like he's never people. Like, he's like, you're going to pay me to leave Kyrie Irving. Okay. I'm down. Like, yeah. I mean, I think in the summer we sold ourselves on every single possibility, you know, you, you, Utah, Indiana, Charlotte, Brooklyn, whoever else we sold ourselves on every package. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm, uh, there's not really anything I would do right now. I really wouldn't. He's got to as run much, it back with, with Russ. Run it back. I blame Harrison. I've, <laughs> I have had nightmares of Sean McVay on that stage yelling, run it back. I have literally have – I'm not kidding. I have had a nightmare of, of that video clip <laughs> because it, he was relentless. He was relentless with that shit, man. I know. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the Lakers pull off a trade. I mean – What, you don't think they pull off a trade? The Lakers? Yeah. No. You think Russ is a Laker in, in, to the end of the I've year? I've changed my tune. Wow. I just, I don't think they get, I don't think that they're going to give up the two picks. Now, will a team, you know, eventually bend? Maybe. Especially if they're doing really well, like when they're not supposed to. Yeah, Utah. But I mean, at that point, you're just off on unloading Russ and then you're probably just throwing the towel in, right? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I Am I thinking about it wrong? I, it's so... Oh, too many hypotheticals right now. Let's go. Let's go beat New Orleans tomorrow. How about that? Let's have Russ be the sixth man of the year this year. He's playing well. Like I, 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 I give him credit. Like he's, you know, he embraced the bench job. Not at first, but he's done it since. And can you do some crack research? Okay. Has anyone ever been a more expensive sixth man in the NBA? No, there's no way. Has no be. way, right? I can't. Imagine. If he wins a sixth man award, nobody will ever touch that record. For most expensive six man of the year, I maybe maybe in year like three thousand. We and I like bet. What do you salaries. think if he continues to be good off the bench? Do you ever think he comes back to starter? Like there's. I oh wow, th- that's actually a good question. Um, you mean like next year? Say he does really well and a team signs him for like three years, thirty million. But what if he goes he, off like on this stretch before Thanksgiving and he's really good? The Lakers are like okay, we're just going to start him again, or is it like too good to be true off the bench just forever? I don't know. I think he stays unless an injury, of course, and we need him to start. I, I, I would assume he's off the bench until a trade happens. 
I hope Jeff Perlman writes a book about the Westbrook era. <laughs> I really do. I'm sure he, once, if, if not, not once, cause I, I, I predicted a Westbrook trade all summer. It didn't happen. Same. If it happens, uh, I'm assuming that day after we're going to get a ton, a ton of stories about how things went down. Or if it gets worse, we'll more stories will come out. Sure. People start throwing each other under the bus. Yep. We already saw it last year. So we'll see it again. Alex, very fun time this week. The Lakers take on the Pelicans, the Jazz, the Cavs, and at Utah by the time we talk. How many wins in those next four games? I say they go three and one. I like it. I say they go two and two because I don't think Anthony I'll Davis is going to play all. That's an improvement. I, I, I don't, excuse me. I don't think Anthony Davis is going to play all four of those games. So if he's not in the lineup, I don't think he, I don't think they win. Yep. Good point. <laughs> I don't uh, think they win any game really if he doesn't play. No, I, honestly, I genuinely believe that. Yeah. So, uh, at Alex M. Regla, catch his work on silverscreenandroll.com. He did a film room uh, breaking down Russell Westbrook's performance off the Lakers bench. Go read that. And like you said, he's going to got more stuff weekly this year on silverscreenandroll.com. I'm at Alex Padilla 86. We are off next week because I'm off to go get, uh, I'm off to go get hitched, dude. So we're going to take a little yeah. week off. Yeah. We're going to take a little the lead. Save yeah. this to the end. Yeah, no one cares. They all care about Russell Westbrook. What's he going to do? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so we'll talk to everybody. Uh, I don't know when, but we'll talk. And we'll, we'll see what the Lakers look like. Honestly, with this team, taking a week off is so dangerous because we have no idea. <laughs> Westbrook, tra- I, I'm guaranteeing a Westbrook trade out. Oh, man, we have no idea. Alex, thanks, man. We'll talk to everybody next week. Uh, thanks, dude. All right.